You're listening to a message from Third Church in Richmond, Virginia, where we believe we are called together for the renewal of all things through Jesus Christ. To learn more about Third or how you can get involved with our community, please check out our website, thirdrva.org. That's T-H-I-R-D-R-V-A dot org. Thanks for listening. Please be seated. Lord Christ, we look to you now as we uh, thank you that um, you have come to us. You have stopped by at our point of need. We rejoice this morning that you are uh, one who uh, meets us at the point of our need, and we thank you for your mercy and your grace. Lord, we look to you now as we ask that you would illumine your word to us uh, as Fakri preaches this morning. Open your word so that we might hear it and obey it. We thank you for uh, the depth of your word and ask that you, by your spirit, would communicate what we need to hear this morning. We look to you through Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Fakri Yacoub is going to preach for us this morning from uh, Christian Arabic Church. We're really privileged to have him here again uh, to deliver God's word to us. But let me read for us uh, the passage that we'll study today. It's 2 Samuel chapter 9, verses 1 through 13. David asked, is there anyone still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David and the king said to him, are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. The king asked, is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness? Ziba answered the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He's lame in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, He's at the house of Machir, son of Amiel, in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Machir, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him. For I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table, and he was lame in both feet. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Pastor Ed. I'm so happy to be with you this morning. Uh, we are still learning and still following the story of King David from 1st and 2nd Samuel. Uh, today is a story in 2nd Samuel chapter 9, one of the most fascinating and interesting 
um, stories in the Old Testament, and you may have noticed that we skipped a bit uh, in, in, in historical events to come to this chapter because today I'm talking about um, the merciful king, and um, I had to jump to this uh, chapter, which is not historically in order. Last week, Pastor Corey was talking about David uh, running away and hiding from Saul in caves, and now we're talking about David as a king. Um, so in, in this chapter, uh, we see that David settled on the throne. He's now king of all Israel, and his position on the throne was secured and established. It was a tradition in the Old Testament, and even sometimes until today in the Middle East, that when a new king, a new administration, come to power, they do two things. First thing is to revenge from all past enemies. Second, they will eliminate anyone from the previous dynasty. Why? To make sure that enemies pay back for what they did, for standing against the king. Second, to make sure that no rival from the previous dynasty will rise and threaten the throne. Well, this is uh, uh, common in, in human life, uh, children and students. God did not approve this, but this is a human uh, practice because of our fallen and sinful nature. Unless we are redeemed by Christ, this is how humans tend to act, revenge from people who caused harm to them. You may have uh, heard uh, Pastor Corey talk about the story of uh, uh, Lion King in, in the famous movie. And you know the rest of the story, uh, when Simba returned it back, uh, he punished his uncle for killing his father and taking the throne. Uh, you also may know the famous play by William Shakespeare, The Tragedy of Hamlet. When Hamlet uh, came back, he also punished his uncle. Revenge, it's, it's part of human nature. Even in the Bible, there are many stories of revenge. In the first chapter of the book of Judges, we see that when the tribe of Judah captured one of the Canaanites' kings by the name uh, Adoni Bazik, they cut his thumbs and big toes. Uh, it, it was a, you know, a war tactic. Uh, they do this so he can't hold the sword, he can't put on sandals, so he, is, um, he can't uh, go to battle uh, anymore. He can't fight against them anymore. But why, why is it they, they did this to this particular king? Because this king used to cut his enemies' thumbs and big toes. So when they captured him, the first thing they did, revenge. They did the same thing to him, and many stories like this in the Bible. David, David, King David, started his reign in a different way. King David, he was, he was secured in, in, in the throne. He was the most powerful man in Israel and maybe all over the world. But instead of revenge, and instead of going after people from the previous dynasty and eliminating them, he started to do something different. He chose to show an act of kindness, to show mercy, not to anyone, but to one from Saul's household, from the household of the 
king, the previous king who was chasing him for years and forced him to hide in caves from the household of the one who threatened his life numerous times, from the household of the same person who attempted to kill him many times. And instead of revenge, David chose to show kindness, to show mercy. And to, to better understand mercy, to better uh, put a, a, a clear and simple definition of mercy, we have to compare it with grace. They always come together. Uh, they appear that they are on the other side of each other, but they always come together. In dictionary, grace is defined as courteous goodwill, meaning it is not asked for nor deserve it, but is freely given. Mercy, on the other hand, is the compassion and kindness shown to someone instead of punishing them. So showing kindness and compassion to one, someone deserve punishment. And instead of punishment, we show compassion and kindness. It's, it's, meant, it's an act meant to relieve someone of their suffering and fear. Let, let us put it in this simple way. Suppose someone attempted to rob your house. You learned that this robber was just in a desperate situation, in a big need. And instead of calling the police, putting this person in jail, you choose to let the matter go. This is mercy. But you choose to give this person, this someone, food and money to help them go through this tough time. This is grace. David decided to show mercy and grace to someone from Saul's household, Mephibosheth. You may not be able to say the name correct. I can't. <laughs> but you can give him a nickname, Mephi, Mofo, <laughs> whatever nickname you want to give him. Who is this guy? Who is Mephibosheth? He is the grandson of Saul, the previous king, the biggest enemy for King David, the one who was chasing him for years. A prince, someone who had a title, someone who could claim the throne of Israel. But this person also was orphan. He had an accident. His parents died. He is helpless, but he doesn't have anyone to take care of him. He was poor. Once he was rich, but now he is poor because he lost everything. He was hiding. He was running away from King David. He was living in fear. He was lame, crippled couldn't walk. So in brief, he was a helpless and hopeless person. Basically, as he described it himself, he was nothing. He was no one. When he came before King David in verse 8, he said, what is your servant that you should notice? A dead dog like me. He, was, he thought of himself as a dead dog. And most likely, many people were looking at him the same way, like a dead dog. 
Nothing. Nothing. David brought him in. And I think when, when this poor fellow, Mephibosheth, was told that the king requests your presence, I think he was about to have an, a heart attack. Out of fear. Like me this morning, I was about to have a heart attack when I, I was planning to uh, be here at 8.15. The service will start at 8.45. I woke up in time, got ready, get into the car, start the car, look at time, 8.45. <sighs> service started. I'm very late. And then I look at the uh, uh, phone. It is 7.45. <laughs> Thank God it is daylight saving. I, I was relieved. And you know what that means. I, I had time to stop at Wawa for coffee. <laughs> and also, I was more relieved to know that everybody got an extra hour of sleeping. So, relax. And listen, I can take all the time I want. So, when they, when they requested Mephibosheth to come before King David, he was afraid. You know, I think he thought, the time has come. Now he will end my life. But then David, to Mephibosheth's surprise and everybody's surprise, did something different. He, he brought him to save him from his misery. He brought him to change his life, to give him an opportunity for a better life. What David did? He did three things. Because Mephibosheth had three problems, his past, his present, and his future. In, in his past, because of his past, he was in fear because of his grandfather Saul, because what his family did, because what, what their relationship was David. So he was in fear because of that past. And he knew that he should expect punishment any time for that past. Well, first thing David did, he took care of the past. Matthew Borges, Regarding your past, yes, your majesty, do not be afraid. I didn't bring you, you here to punish you. I brought you here to reconcile you to myself. Reconciliation. First thing David did, reconciliation. I brought you here to give you peace. Do not be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you Kindness, not punishment, not revenge. Kindness. Don't worry about your past. How about the future? I, 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 the past is behind me now. Thank you, King. But how about the future? I don't have anything. I don't have anyone to provide for me. I don't have anyone to help me. Well, regarding your future, restoration. I will restore everything to you. I will restore your inheritance. I will restore all the land and, and properties that belong to your family. I will give you everything back. Not just that. You will have people to take care of you. You will have people to uh, uh, work the land and bring the crops to provide for you for the rest of your life. All your future is secured. Now you're under my protection. 
Thank you, Your Majesty. But how about now, the present time? Well, regarding your present time, you will eat at my table all the time. You will always eat at my table. You know what that means? And instead of being my enemy, you will be treated like one of my children, one of the king's sons. Not just that. Not just that. But you will have fellowship with me on my table every day. You will eat on my table. You will be treated like a prince, like a royal, like a member of this dynasty. Well, I imagine Matthew Bush's feelings, what was going on in his heart, in his mind, in, in his feelings at this time. You know, he came worrying about his past, worrying about his present, worrying about his future. Now, David proclaimed that, do not be afraid. I will take care of your past. I will take care of your present. I will take care of your future. What is this, your majesty? Why you're doing this? David would say, for two reasons. First, I would like to show God's kindness. You know, in the first verse, David says, I want to show someone from Saul's family God's kindness. It is not mine. God showed kindness to me. I, don't, I didn't deserve it. But God did show kindness to me. And I want to share it. I want to show it to someone else. I didn't deserve God, God's kindness. I was not worthy for God's kindness. But yet, he gave it to me. And now I want to show God's kindness to someone else who don't deserve it, who's not worthy. What is the second reason? The second reason, David would say, because of Jonathan. Because of Jonathan. You know, I had a special relationship with Jonathan. I had a covenant relationship with Jonathan. And because of that covenant, because of that relationship, I will show kindness to this poor fellow, Mephibosheth, who does not deserve it, who's lame, who's not worthy of such kindness, but I will show it to him. Because it is God's kindness and because of my friend, because of my relationship with Jonathan, because of the covenant. It's a great story, right? Amazing. But this story is even a, an illustration for a greater story. The story of God with us. You see in this illustration, there's two wonderful pictures. The first picture is what David did. And in this, we find a picture of God and what he did with us, God's kindness and God's mercy toward us. And the second picture is the picture of Mephibosheth that describes us, us. We all once were God's enemies. Once we were against God. We all were under the judgment of this. You know, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, and we deserve God's wrath. We all were outcasted from God's 
presence. We were lame or crippled. We couldn't walk straight because of our fallen nature. We couldn't do anything to save our helps. We were helpless and hopeless. Yet, just as David was in quest for someone from Saul's household to bless them, God the Father was in quest for men and women, children, youths, anyone from Adam's household to bless them, to show kindness, mercy, and grace to us. And we might ask, God, why, why do you do this with us? We don't deserve it. We're not worthy. And God would say the very two reasons David said. One, because I want to show my kindness. I want to show my mercy. Two, I'm doing this because I had a covenant relationship. With who? Jonathan? No, with Jesus Christ, my son. Before the formation of the universe, I had a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. And because of his sake, I'm doing this to you. And he did the same three things David did. He took care of our past. He took care of our present. He took care of our future. In the past, we were afraid. We were living in fear because of our sin. And when we came to God through Jesus Christ, he said this. Read with me from Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. No longer enemies. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Reconciliation. We now are reconciled with God through Jesus Christ. Number two, he took care of our future restoration not just reconciliation if that alone would be still worry about the future but he took care of the future through restoration he restored restored our inheritance you know as david restored the inheritance of mephibosheth god the father restored our inheritance that our father adam lost when god banished him from the garden of eden we lost everything. Once we were rich in Adam, in the garden. Once we were enjoying everything God created. But we lost everything because of our sin. Because of our father's sin. And we, when he banished out of the garden of Eden, we in him lost everything. But in Jesus Christ, God restored everything back to us. Jesus said, in John chapter 14, verse 1, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. You're welcome back to the Father's house. You're welcome back to, to have your inheritance. Peter puts it this way in his first letter, chapter 1, verse 3. He says, Praise be, to the, praise be to the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth, a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And, listen to this, and into an inheritance that never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. He, just, he didn't just restore our inheritance that we lost, but he kept it 
for us. He kept it for us in heaven. He took care of the past through reconciliation. He took care of the future through restoration. And he took care of the present through his invitation to us to eat at his table. There is an open invitation for all of us to the king's table. You know, the, the table of uh, David cost him maybe a few lambs, chickens, some food. But when God invites us to gather around his table, it cost him the life of his son, Jesus Christ, who died for us on the cross. He invites us to fellowship with him, to fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, and to fellowship with all God's children around the world. John says this in first, uh, first John chapter 1, verse 3, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with, with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So we gather around this table. We partake of his life, but also we celebrate the fellowship with God the Father, God the Son, and all God's children around the world. And not just that. At the table, Mephibosheth's lame feet were hidden under the table. He was brought whole. No one can see his lame legs under the table. It was covered. And around this table and under the table, our sins are covered. Our sin, sins are wiped out because we are cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And why God did this? His mercy and for the sake of his son, Jesus Christ. As, a, as an Egyptian preacher put it this way, that in, in, in mercy, God gave us what we don't deserve. In grace, God didn't give us what we deserve. And this is what we enjoy and celebrate around God's table. How we respond to that amazing grace and this amazing mercy that God is showing to us every day. Three things. Recognize, accept, and celebrate. And number three, show. Show. Number one, recognize. To be able to respond to his mercy and his grace fully, we must first recognize our need. We must shed aside our pride. When Mephibosheth came to King David and King David gave him this good news, he didn't say, no, who, who you are to, to do this? I am the prince. I, I have a title. I deserve to be in your throne. Mephibosheth didn't say that. They didn't do that. He was humbled. The Bible says he bowed and gave honor to the king. We need to humble ourselves and recognize our need to his mercy and his grace. Mephibosheth said, what am I? What am I? I am like a dead dog. I am nothing. 
I am nothing. We need to shift the focus from ourselves and who we are to the Lord and who he is. Number two, accept and celebrate. He has given his mercy. He has given his grace for free. Never ask it anything in return. We just need to do what Mephibosheth did. Honor the king. Accept his gift. Enjoy it. And celebrate it. Wholehearted acceptance is the best way of us showing our gratitude for everything God did to us. And number three, show mercy to others. Show mercy to others. When we accept his mercy, we begin to grow in his love. And in time, these seeds of love and compassion that he has planted in our hearts will take root and bring fruit. And this should, should show through acts of kindness and compassion. We can then spread to the world around us the mercy and generosity God gave to us. And believe me, the world is in great need to see God's mercy, God's grace, and God's generosity through our act of kindness. You may say it is hard. It is not easy. And I agree with you. I agree with you. It is, it is hard to show mercy, especially to people who didn't do us any good. It is hard to show mercy even to people who treat us as their enemies. It is hard to show mercy to people who caused harm to us. It is hard. When I, when I came here and started the... Uh, Ministry for the Arabic uh, uh, Immigrants and Refugees in town. I was challenged when Muslims came to the office here in the church and asked it for help. It was hard for me. It was hard because me, my family, and almost everyone in our congregation, and all Arab Christians who are in exile, left their homes because of persecution from Muslims, one way or another. We ran away from this. And now they are here. And they are asking for our help. They're asking us for mercy. It was not easy. But I learned this lesson. It is not my mercy. It is his. And, and my role is to act as a mirror. Reflect his mercy. He has shown me mercy even when I didn't deserve. I was not worthy of his mercy, yet he gave it to me for free. And now it is my turn to show this mercy to people, especially those who I think they don't deserve it, especially those who caused me harm or didn't do me any good. Those are the kind of people, those are the particular people that God wants us to show mercy to them. You all may remember the parable Jesus uh, told in Matthew 18, it's called the parable of the unmerciful servant. In the parable, Jesus told the story about the king uh, who, who had, uh, uh, he wanted to settle his account. One of the servants brought before him. This servant owned uh, almost uh, what is the equivalent of $100 million. He picked the king. He said, king, I, I don't have this kind of money. Give me time. I will, I will pay it. Please have mercy on me. The king knew that 
he needed 100 million days to work and pay this debt. So there's no way. And the king decided to cancel this debt. Your debt is wiped out. You're free. Go. He went out. He found one of the, his uh, uh, fellow servants. He owed him $100. He choked him. You have to pay what you owe me now. The servant said, please have mercy on me. I can't pay it. Give me time. I will work and pay you. He needed only about three months. He said no. And he put him in jail. Other servants went to the king and told him what happened. And the king brought this servant in. And he said, you wicked servant, the king said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as, just as I did to you? And this is God's voice to all of us. I canceled all your debt. I wiped out all your debt because you asked me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servants just as I on you? You see, the key to receive, to celebrate, to enjoy God's grace and God's mercy is to show mercy to others. Jesus said in the, in the Sermon of Mount, in the mountain, Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the merciful, because they will be shown mercy. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the, all the, the, the acts of kindness you show us through our life. We thank you for taking care of our fear for our past, for our miserable past, and reconciling us with you and giving us peace. And we thank you for providing for our future and securing our inheritance in heaven. And thank you most of all for inviting us to your table, the table that cost your son Jesus Christ his life. Thank you for giving our sins and for showing us mercy every day. In Jesus' name.